You're listening to CAMS Talk, a podcast brought to you by the service users and professionals from East London NHS Foundation Trust. A podcast where you can hear us discuss, debate and challenge issues around child and adolescent mental health in the UK. Hello and welcome back to CAMS Talk. My name is Mark and I'm your host for today's episode. Now, as we're all aware, we're living in strange times due to the COVID pandemic and this has brought lots of change. Some of the things that we take for granted have had to stop and others have had to find ways of adapting to continue to deliver their services. And it's with this in mind today that we're taking a look at Bedford Cam service and discussing the changes that have been made so far, including taking a look at what's currently provided and how this may influence what's provided in the future. Now, with that in mind, I would like to introduce uh, uh, my, well, my co-host on the show, Nikki Scott. Um, how are you, Nikki? I'm not too bad, thanks, Mark. Hi, everyone. Hi. And uh, yeah, just in case people don't know, um, Nikki is the service user lead for Bedford Cams. Uh, you should know if you're a regular listener on the podcast, and I expect anyone listening to this to be that. Um, we've also got on the show today uh, Ross Truscott, who is the general manager for Bedford Cams. Ross, how are you? Hi, Mark. Hi, Nikki. Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you very much. Um, and yeah, and just to wish you a um, a good uh, mental health awareness week as well on this sunny on this nice sunny day today yeah absolutely and also we got a few, we might be able to say a few things about that towards the end of the pod might me and nikki do you yeah. reckon oh, i think so absolutely lots going on this week excellent okay ross as i said there's lots of changes that have happened for all services and industries including health could you give us an idea of some of the key changes that have happened in bedford cams yeah, absolutely. And I guess I guess, you know, just to acknowledge that we're doing everything we can to keep in, you know, keep in touch with our service users and maintain a service as close um to it was before. We obviously, you know, six to eight weeks ago we had to change our service quite rapidly. Yeah. Um and unfortunately what that meant was that we weren't able to see a lot of our service users face to face. And anyone who works in um, therapeutic services or who supports young people know that that's really key. Um, and being able to see people and connect with people, um, especially when people are discussing really personal and, and challenging things to them, um, mm. doing that, having that face-to-face um, contact is really important. One of the uh, initial changes that we had to make uh, was ensuring that some of our more vulnerable and high-risk patients um, were able to still access our service. Um, And what we did, we have several teams in CAMS who all have um, different functions. We have our front door team, which is kind of the face of our service, and they work really hard to assess our young people. Mm. Um, and to ensure that they're getting the service they need, whether that's within our within what we call our CAM service, or whether that's in one of our third sector organisations or partner agencies. Um, and then we have our emotional health teams, and they provide emotional support and mental health therapy. We have our crisis and our adolescent mental health teams that work with um, some of our more complex um, cases or cases that need uh, more intervention and weekly therapy. Uh, And then we have our looked after children's teams, our GP teams, our schools teams who all work really hard with our partner, uh, with our partner agencies and other health providers. Um, And what we had to do initially is all of those different teams, we had to all bring us all together uh, and we formulated one big team that all worked really closely together to provide 
um, a response to some of our what we we classes are red cases, if you like, are more. Um, the way we look at our red cases, they're the ones that need more intervention for us, and they're more high risk. Yeah, uh, we had to create um, different ways of working, thinking about um, which cases need to be seen face to face, which cases can be seen over the phone which cases can use um, video links. Um, so we very quickly had to change our services. And what we wanted to do is try and maintain as much of our original service as possible. Um, the way that we had to um, adapt some of our services, as I said, is just to think about different ways of working. Um, and some of these some of these aren't ideal. Um, some young people and clinicians have adapted, you know, really well. And they have they hold phone sessions and they hold video sessions, um, and then others. Uh, you know, we're, we acknowledge that some young people that's not ideal. So we're already thinking about the long term and how we can start to interact with these young people again. Mm. I mean, it must sound. I mean, I'm just listening to what you're saying and thinking. And as a as as you know, and people that listen to the podcast know, I'm also a clinician that works within the CAM service. I think um, some of the changes have been have been quite substantial and and they were very quick and sudden. Um, and so I would imagine, um, well, I know from a from a clinician point of view that there's a there's been a, a awful lot of work gone in to um, making sure that we can still provide a safe service and making sure that we can still meet the Absolutely. needs of our most vulnerable patients. And I would imagine that there's been a whole raft of work, really, and hours and hours, I would imagine, being put in by the management teams in order to make sure that um, we cover everything that we need to. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not, and obviously, um, from a service user perspective, they might think of Bedford CAMS as something, you know, as a standard, as a standalone service. But obviously, we, you know, we are part of a massive organisation. Um, and Elft has lots of CAM services right across East London, um, Luton and Bedfordshire. Um, and we've had to work really closely together. And as you say, there was there was a massive amount of change to begin with. And there was there was lots of meetings and we all had to adapt to having video calls and, and just, and just thinking really, really carefully about how we can provide these services for young people. And it was, it was a massive task. Some of the changes that have happened within our service might have normally taken six months to a year. Yeah. Yeah. And and effectively what we had to do is we had to make those changes in uh, a matter of a matter of a week or two. Um, Mm. And, we're really lucky and we're really lucky in Bedfordshire CAMs. And usually I, usually I would say this across all of CAM services. We work with such dedicated staff, such dedicated clinicians, such dedicated admin staff, that support that we've had from our um, admin staff and our support staff has just been amazing as well to turn around and make sure that all the staff have got all the equipment they need, all the phones that they need, computers, PPE, masks, gloves, all of the things that goes along with that. Um, so yeah, it has been a massive task, and I'm I'm really proud to you know have worked with such dedicated people to think about how we can provide this service with young people. And I think I think actually on the whole, um, it's been a success story. Uh, and that's not to take away from some of the young people that we we do acknowledge um, have really struggled to to make this change that we've had to do. And Ross, you said that some of the changes that are brought in uh, would have taken months. And the one thing that I know is that we've managed to um, bring forward some changes that we'd actually got planned for quite a few months' time. And so there has Absolutely. been some, 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 not just some changes in order that we can 
I guess, kind of uh, meet the needs within within the current lockdown situation within the COVID pandemic. There's also been some service changes that we wanted to make anyway. So, I mean, can you just say a bit more about those? Yeah, absolutely. So some of the changes, some of the changes that we've been talking about is self-referrals. Um, and one of the things that we wanted to do is make our service more accessible to young people so they don't necessarily feel that they need to um, have uh, their teachers or pastoral care or GPs do the referral for them. And that's not to take away from those that do want that. We would, you know, we would support young people reaching out to all of those people um, and discussing their mental health. And if they feel that they need support sending referrals, please do that. Um, but one of the things we've been talking about for a while is doing self-referrals. Um, and we've managed to um, get the forms all set up, get it all put online. So so now young people can actually refer themselves into the service directly. Um, and the way that they can do that, and I'm not going to read out the email addresses, but we will attach them to this podcast and we'll put it on Twitter as well. Yes, yeah, certainly we will. But if you live in uh, mid-Bedfordshire, central Bedfordshire, and you just type mid-Bedfordshire CAMS, then what comes up is straight away, the first thing that comes up is the page for Mid-Bedfordshire CAMS. In that, there's an information box, and within that, it says self-referrals. And if you click on that self-referral box, then it comes straight up with the self-referral form, and it's got really clear instructions on there of um, how you complete the form. Just complete it as best you can. Um, if there's things like your NHS number that you don't know, then, you know, then please um, just send the referral form in anyway and we can support you to find that out. And it's the same for Bedford Borough as well. So if you type in Bedford Borough um, CAMS and then what comes up is the Bedford Borough CAMS site. And again, in the information box, I think off the top of my head, it's the fourth link down, but it just does. It says self-referrals. Click on that box. It will return the self-referral form. You can fill that in and then send it off. And that goes into our front door team. And what I'm, what I'm wondering about is, uh, I guess, kind of self, self-referrals. I mean, they're, they're a real advantage, but there's also the, the worry and the concern that sometimes young people may make a self-referral because they want immediate support and contact. And um, I'm just aware that we've also developed a 24-hour crisis line. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. So so what we've done is we've linked up with adult mental health services. So this is an all age um, this is an all age crisis line and the information from that is on the Elft Cams website. So again, if you type in Elft Cams and you go onto that website, in the top right hand corner is a red is a red box um, linking you to crisis support and on there it's got lots of information about that. Um, however, if you live in Bedfordshire, the 24-hour crisis line, if everyone wants to grab a pen, um, then it's 01234 315691. So that's 01234 315691. Um, and within hours, we've got a dedicated uh, member of our crisis team who are actually in the clinic um, with lots of other mental health professionals around them. Um, and what will happen is you'll go through to the crisis line. Um, they'll ha- you'll have a chat with them. And then if they feel that it's helpful for you to come through to one of our um, one of the members of our team, then that will be sent through and you'll be speaking to one of our um, clinicians who are very much used to dealing with young people who are struggling. Yeah, so can I ask then, so they initially phone and who is it they're actually speaking to when they initially phone? Is it um, a clinician? 
Yes, Sticky, yeah. So it's a, it's a clinician that's a part of the all-age crisis line. But not necessarily a CAMS clinician initially, just so no. that... No, so what will happen, so what actually happens is in the all-age crisis line, it will, go to, it will go through to a clinician who's got mental health experience and they will have had training um, in working with children and young people. So what we've done locally is we've developed some specific training um, that's going to be given to those crisis um, line members of staff. However, they will be able to access, um, while our crisis team are uh, in the building from nine till nine, they will be able to actually access a CAMS clinician. So they that will be sent over. So very quickly, they will be able to access one of our um, CAMS clinicians with lots of experience. So I guess part of the well i mean a huge advantage to to some of the changes is it well i mean it does what it says on the tin really it's just it's just immediate and quick access to our service and it's easier access to our service so nikki i was i was just wondering how much has it come up that access to our service previously has been quite difficult i think it's something that comes up a lot and that has been raised quite a lot in the past in that you know there are lots of, there's previously been quite a few options of ways for young people to access CAMS. Um, they can they could speak to their parents who could um, take them to the GP. They could go to the GP directly. They could speak to um, a member of the staff in their school. Um, but that's not always easy for a young person. Um, and sometimes, you know, they don't feel comfortable speaking to, to any of those individuals. So I think the fact that we've now got a self-referral service is so important. They can actually put down their thoughts and feelings, how they're struggling, the impact that it's having on their daily lives on paper without feeling, you know, under pressure to share anything. And then knowing that that will go to the right person immediately and that that will then provoke a conversation, I think is going to make a world of difference mm. to our young people. I know of people that have gone to the GPs in, with their parents, you know, and they just physically can't open their mouths to, to talk about the problems that they've got. They just don't feel comfortable. So I really think this is something that, you know, I'm so pleased and the reaction from our young people to the fact that we now have this self-referral um, has been really, really positive. Mm, and the other thing, Nikki, that, that I think about as well is if, if a young person's gone to their GP with their parents, um, there's a lot of the time due to the pressures on our GPs, there isn't really the time to get into that, you know, level of conversation, is it? It's a lot. It's a lot to ask for our professionals um, to get all of that information out. We know that GPs have usually got, you know, eight to ten minutes. And of course, if there's a young people who's a young person who's really struggling, then they'll probably get more than their eight to ten minutes. But even so, that's a lot to expect of our young people to divulge their emotional well-being um, in that, you know, in that time. So I would agree with you. I think it really does. And we do know that some young people want the support from their parents to go to the GPs, but there is going to be a lot of young people who would much prefer to take the time to sit in their bedroom or library or out in the park or wherever they might be and really think about what they need and really think about what their, what their needs are. Um, so yeah, we very much, we're really, we're really happy that we've got um, self-referrals being introduced. And I know that the front door team um, have been working really hard to implement that really quickly and they've done a fantastic job. So, so part of the reason why we wanted to do this, have this conversation today was to, to get that out there, wasn't it? We wanted people to know straight away that this is an option because, you know, 
young people aren't in schools at the minute. We can't promote it through schools necessarily. You know, the world's a different place. So um, we know that young people um, are really keen on interacting through sort of social media, which is why we decided that this was a really good means of getting the information out there about the changes to our service. Absolutely. The other the other thing I guess that's worth mentioning while we're in um, while we're in the COVID nineteen period as well is that we're obviously wanting to minimise people having to go around the houses as well and and physically or you know physically visit their doctor or GP surgery. So one of the other considerations we had is about you know being able if you if a young person is um, does phone up their GP surgery and and does talk about why they want to. Um, why they want to go in with the GP. Actually, there is an opportunity for the GPs um, to be able to say to them one of the options is self-referrals. Um, and that information has been shared with our GPs already. So it's it's not even if they're uh, initially thinking about self-referral, there is the further option that GPs can also say, do you know what, we can hear that you're struggling. And obviously they would think about how safe it is to do that, but they can give that young person the option to spend the time filling in the self-referral form and sending it directly into us as well. Yeah. Ross, you just, you just mentioned the safety there and it was, to, it was just something as we were talking about self-referral, I was just, I was just thinking about, which is some parents, some parents out there that may be listening to the podcast may have, may be pleased about the self-referral system, but there might be some that might be a little bit anxious about it. What would you say to parents that were maybe concerned that their child may, may self-refer to a service and be quite at risk? What would we say to parents? I guess I guess what I'd want to put across is the fact that um, young people's young people's safety is always our paramount concern. Um, and if we had if we had a young person who referred themselves in, um, one of the things that we would always ensure is that we would have that dialogue with the young person as well. Um, and it's one of the first conversations that we always have uh, with our young people when they're coming into any point of the service. And it's just explaining that although CAMS is a confidential service, we will always, we always, you know, treat people's confidentiality as the utmost importance. Yeah. But what we have to also explain at the same time is that their safety is their safety is really important. And if we were really if we were really concerned, and it would and we'd have to take age into consideration as well. Yes. Depending yeah. on the age of the young person, um, we would always assess and see whether or not um, they're able to, you know, make these types of decisions on their own um, and do any risk assessments with them. Uh, if there was a young person and we were worried about their risk, then we would, first of all, we would explain to the young person and say, do you know what, we, you know, we really appreciate your referral. However, we might have to share this information with your parents or carer or, you know, or, or a responsible adult. The, the one thing that I think it's important for parents that are maybe listening to this podcast is for them to really have that understanding and trust that if their young people do express high risk, it's not something that it would be dealt with in isolation. And it may um, it, it may lead to a conversation with parents in order to for, that they are aware of the risks for their young person. Yeah, and certainly we absolutely, wouldn't. Absolutely, Mark. And I think yeah. that's I think that's a really important thing um, for you to bring up and give that assurance to parents that absolutely if there was if we were really concerned about a young person um, that we would be speaking to the parents but for the young people to know um, we again wouldn't make that decision without them yes um, and if and, and as a part of that conversation we would be saying to them you know I really think it would be helpful to discuss this with your parent carer or responsible adult and it would be it would be done as a joint process absolutely 
Nikki, some of the young people that you're working with, I mean, have they, have they, what are their opinions of the issue around confidentiality and risk? What are some of the conversations that you have with them? I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's really varied actually, because um, some of our young people really like their parents to be involved in, in their therapy sessions um, and, and others don't. But I think, you know, the feedback has always been that, that they feel that it isn't really, um, they know that anything that they divulge that is, is risky will always go back to their parents. I think we're, as a service, we're really, really good at making that clear. Um, I think, I think I've, I've fed back over the years quite a lot about young people, um, having the op- always being given the opportunity to speak to their clinicians on their own or with their parents. I think it's really, really important that they get that option and that they know that there is an option. And we've thought quite long and hard about how best to approach that because if you if a clinician comes into the waiting room and says in front of the parent, oh, do you want your parent to join you today? It's a bit of a tricky one, isn't it? Because, you know... It, it might be that they're not comfortable saying, actually, no, I don't want my mum in there. They would rather speak on their own. So we've had to sort of work around different ways of how we approach that um, to ensure that they are getting the opportunities to have those, you know, one-to-one conversations. Um, and I think it's true to say that, um, I guess, just just to round up that thought around confidentiality and parent involvement, I think it's always considered on a one-to-one individual basis, isn't it, case per case? Yeah. Um, and yeah. there is no blanket rules within our CAM service that, um, that you know, families families will or won't be directly involved in the care. But I think mm. it's uh, it's pretty much a given that if a young person is, is displaying high-risk behaviour and they are living with their parents, that there will be some discussion around that with them. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that we've definitely sort of, you know, participation has definitely impacted is the fact that now a lot of our communications don't go just addressed to the parents, they go to the parents and then separately to young people. And there's very much like age specific communication now. And that's all come back to feedback from the young people that actually, you know, this is about their care. It's about their health, their mental well-being, And actually, you know, the communication needs to be done directly with them as well as through the parents. So, um, yeah. and, I th- and I think so- service development without service user input is, is quite limited, I think, in, in its success. Mm. I think there's lots of, uh, mm. lots of evidence out there to kind of demonstrate that. I was just thinking as we were talking about, um, I'm just thinking that young people might wonder once they've sent in that referral, um, what that pro- what that process is. Uh, and it might be that some of professionals want to know as well. Um, and uh, what happens, so whether or not your referral has come in from a professional, um, and by professional that can be, you know, um, it might be your GP, it might be one of the school staff, it might be um, a social worker or someone, a support worker that you're working with. Um, once that referral's come in, and the same process now happens if you send in your self-referrals. Um, and what happens is every day we have um, dedicated members of staff and they're, they're senior members of the CAMS team as well. And I think that's really important to to let people know that a senior member of the CAMS team, our dedicated front door, they will read the referral through 
Um, and usually on the same day, but within the 24 hour period, we will then make contact either with the professional and young person or now directly with that young person. And um, we call it triage, but it's basically um, an assessment. Uh, and what will happen is we will then speak to the uh, referrer, um, which could be the young person or whoever sent the referral in, and we will talk about what the issue what the issue is. Um, and we will go through, and that will involve talking about risk, as you've mentioned before, Mark, um, but it will talk about what those kind of issues are, and we'll think really, really carefully about who is the best person to help. Now, one of the other changes that we've made um, during this process is that our front door team are doing um, some um, therapeutic follow-up. So rather than signposting to other services or coming into our service, if a, if a short piece of intervention, a short piece of work can be done with that young person, then our front door team are actually doing that. So they're saying rather than just doing the assessment and maybe one follow-up, they're actually doing a couple of follow-ups as well um, and sending out information about how that can help someone's um, emotional health. Um, once the assessment's taken place, um, then what happens is we might do something called signposting. Um, and that's either which could be coming into our service or it can be signposting to other services. And I won't go into details about what's out there at the moment because that changes on a, uh, on a weekly basis. And obviously during the COVID period, um, serv other services are operating in different ways. So, so as, as fast as I say, it, it might become slightly outdated. But our front door team are really aware about what different services are out there and what might happen is then we would let that person know this is the service that we think um, would help you. Uh, and one of the things is I spoke to Sam, who's our, um, who's our lead for um, the service, and she said that she would be more than happy to do a, pod a podcast specifically about the front door service, um, and that could obviously um, be a nice follow-up to this. But Sam has said that her and her team would be more than happy to do a follow-up on after this about um, what happens within that front door process, and they could talk, yeah, talk talk in more depth. And for for anybody wondering what the front door team is or is not clear on that, the front door team that's the name of the team where all referrals come into. Um, so it's kind of. That's why we called it front door, because it's kind of like one single point of access for all of the referrals coming through to make sure that we capture all referrals and to make sure that um, that um, they're all treated in the same way and they're given the same. Very fair Thanks for that clarification, Mark. That's helpful. Yeah. OK. OK. So well, one of the things that I wanted to ask was that we um, young people, obviously, they may not be attending lessons every day, but they're very much in touch with their schools and in touch with their teachers. So um, we had an, a podcast education, an education podcast yesterday where we discussed this. So if a young person was really struggling and divulged something to a teacher, um, what are the options there for the teachers at the moment, Ross? Have we, have we adapted our service so that they can still yeah, have communication absolutely. with CAMS? And I guess the I guess the interesting thing to say is that the, I think the majority, if not all, uh, of the schools in Bedford um, in Bedfordshire are actually still open. So the majority of them are still providing um, actual um, open door, as it is, for you know key workers, etc. So there are there are still school staff 
in the actual schools themselves. So we wanted to make sure that we're maintaining that connection. Um, and then obviously the teachers are then having various different lessons, etc., with their um, with their pupils. One of the things that we're doing, one of the things that we're doing differently um, that we launched on the 4th of May um, is we've actually um, set up a support uh, line for teachers and and school staff. Um, obviously, a lot of our referrals come in and a lot of the conversations happen with the, um, with the pastoral staff. But the school support line was set up and um, launched on the 4th of May. Um, and what that provides is that provides consultation um, for teachers. So if a teacher is particularly worried about a young person, then they can, there's a, there's a dedicated clinician every single day um, that will be able to answer questions and think about that young person and think about what the best next steps are. So whether or not we might advise that a third sector organisation might provide specific support that's helpful for them, or it might be that they need to come into our service. But there is daily support um, during during those school hours, and that information has been shared with um, all of the school in the um, all of the schools in the boroughs as well. Um, and I guess the additional um, support that's been set up as well is there's a school's newsletter that's going out to the school staff. Um, and recently, uh, and I believe it's already out on Twitter, um, there's something called Right Side Up, um, which is a young person's newsletter that our schools team has set up. Um, and the latest one is actually on kindness. Um, and one of the things that I was looking at this morning when I read it um, was on the benefits of kindness and how being kind to others actually helps your own mental well-being. And I read it and I just thought it's a really, really positive message to send out um, send out to everyone because it's not just about mental illness. It's about people's emotional well-being as well. Um, and I'll make sure that I put it out on my Twitter and Nikki and Mark, I'm sure that we can share um, share that newsletter with everyone. So that will be available to all young people. Um, it was designed for our local young people, but I think it will be helpful for all young people. That's really good. That's really. I mean, I mean, so so much. There's there's so much information out there at the moment, aren't there? For for young people, families, schools. Um, I think that the service and the trustee is doing an awful lot of work. I think to um, to get the information out there, and a lot of it also appears on our own our own website, doesn't it? As well. Um, and um, yeah, I think- absolutely. I think there's some work to be done on our websites, and and that's that's one of our that's one of our work streams, making sure that our websites are um, more up to date, more functional for all of the young people across the whole of Elft. So that's one of the work. That's one of the ongoing work streams, and I know that um, I'm sure Nikki, you'll be involved in that process and linking young people in with that as well. Yeah, we already are. So we've um, we're we're heavily involved in reviewing all of the changes that are happening, and in fact, you know, we're going to be really involved in in the changes overall that the service is is implementing, um, and thinking about how um, how what changes we we keep in place post lockdown, and um, uh, you know what's worked for our young people. Um, and what they want to go back to from the original service. So we're, we're heavily involved. As I've said previously, we're having twice-weekly meetings still. Um, we've got people joining those meetings. Um, I'm currently arranging for our, um, 
our CCG, our clinical commissioning group um, to attend a future meeting. I think she's joining us next week. So just to speak directly to our young people and ask, you know, how are you coping? What are you doing? And what's been really good is that young people have been sharing their their tips and their, their words of advice for how best to cope and how best to look after their mental health. And I think hearing directly from them is is really, really powerful. And I think you, you mentioned being kind to other people and how that helps your mental health. And I just want to reiterate, it's really important that at the moment we're kind to ourselves as well. Absolutely. Uh, and it can be, and I guess it can be anything, can't it? It can, you know, that can start with just taking the time to make someone a cup of tea, uh, ask how someone is and be, you know, be, you know, and genuinely ask them and, and, and just check in with people. I think that's really important. And I know for, I know for my own mental well-being and my own uh, emotional um, support, what I have been doing, a nice thing that's happened throughout this is I've made contact with people that I haven't spoken to in a, a long time. Um, and that's friends that I've kind of reconnected with. And that's that's meant the world to me. Um, you know, I've been, house, I've been stuck in the house as most people people have been for a very long time and and just having that connection and, and being kind is so important Nikki. You're, you're absolutely right absolutely so it seems like we come to a natural end i'm just wondering ross was there anything else that you wanted to add before we finished yeah our doors are still open mark i think that's you know that's the important thing to say absolutely. we're operating in a slightly different way at the moment however cams we, we've never really we've never really shut down i guess whilst all this has been happening we've definitely we've definitely kept our doors open so cams cams is open for business and we're you know we're wanting to support young people and our family so please do use those links um that i've currently mentioned on on the websites and, and access us we are there for you okay excellent excellent nikki have you got anything else that you wanted to add before we finish about any of the changes in the service or um i don't know any of the observations from any of the young people that we've not already said no just really that you know just to confirm that it's it's business as usual really and that um all of the changes that are happening um you know we're regularly speaking to our young people and ensuring that their voice is heard throughout the um this period of time um and that you know participation's going from strength to strength really we've got new referrals coming in weekly and new young people joining so it's uh business as usual for us so user participation is just business as usual and i, and I think as yeah. much and as much as that we're trying to get the cam service the, the same way aren't we we're trying we're trying to offer as, as much of our service as, as we can yeah. i guess within the within the government the current government restrictions and also, as I said before, um, the one thing that I know as a clinician is that the the, uh, the CAMS management teams are working so hard to make sure that any of the new government updates are implemented as quickly as possible so that we can start to reintroduce more and more of our service that maybe we've had to limit down. So um, just, to, just to let families and young people know that too. Okay, unless there is anything else, I think we've kind of come to a to a natural end on our podcast haven't we so I, I think it's just i think it's really great that um that ross you've taken the opportunity to come on the show today and um and kind of feedback to us currently what's happening with our service and and certainly um i don't think this will be the last one that we do i think it's always useful for us to be feeding back to any of the people that listen to cam's talk exactly what's going on because sometimes it can feel a little bit mysterious so yeah, okay. absolutely. And thank you. Thank you for the invite. And I do I do just want to take one minute just to um, thank all of the all of the staff within CAMS. 
um, because they they have worked tirelessly and they've been really they've been uh, you know really supporting and adapting our services and that's all of the that's all of the clinical staff our admin and support staff those who keep our buildings clean everyone I want to send out a personal thanks and a thanks from our senior management team to all of our staff just to say thank you for the work they've done as well. Excellent, yeah, and I and I completely agree with that because, as I said, you know, it's um, it's all of the services sometimes that we don't necessarily always think about that kind of keeps us as frontline workers being able to to keep offering the offering the work that we do and keep the job running. So, so again, I echo Absolutely. that, Ross. Okay, Ross. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. Um, it's been really good, and um, and I think the information that you've given us has been really important, and it will help some people just to have a bit more of an understanding, I think, as to what some of the background is. Little tune there going off, Nikki. <laughs> just a, that just My, that just proves the fact sorry. that we're doing this via Zoom. Is there little things going off Zoom in the phone. background? Yeah, I have still got a home phone. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. All right, Nikki. Well, thanks for coming on as ever. And um, again, as I said, we haven't worked who out who's who's wingman just yet, have we? But we'll keep, I think we'll keep that as a bit of a, a bit of a continuing theme. We don't know just yet who to. Okay, so um, I just want to, as I said, we just want to take this opportunity to thank everybody that's been on the podcast today. Um, again, this, I hope that um, anybody listening to the podcast has found this useful. Um, if anybody's got any feedback, um, then certainly um, then let us know if you've got any questions. Um, you can contact the the uh, podcast in all of the usual ways. So, um, as I said, we've got two or three more that we're looking to put out over the next couple of weeks. Um, so, until we speak to you next time, take care of yourselves and uh, speak to you soon. You've been listening to Cams Talk, a podcast brought to you by the Luton and Bedford Cams team and the Luton and Bedford Service User Participation Group. If you'd like to hear more from us, just go over to camstalk.com and subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any of the other platforms that you're using. Once you've subscribed, you'll get notification on your device every time we release a new episode. If you want to comment or share your views, you can contact us on Twitter using at camstalk, or you can send us an email using info at camstalk.com. One last thing before we go. Don't forget to use the hashtag CamsTalkPodcast whenever you comment on social media. We'll speak to you soon.